I'm Owen from Bite Size Irish Gaelic, and welcome to episode 27, Iver a Fishacht, of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And for all about this podcast, go to www.bitesizeirishgaelic.com slash podcast. Oh, how time flies and this show has been running for a year now. I hope you've been enjoying listening to the guests as much as I have, but more so I really enjoy hearing from our listeners, especially um, as comments on the show notes webpages. So what we're doing today is to look back at the first year of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast and we're picking out episodes that we really enjoyed. We couldn't pick every episode and I hope you enjoy the clips and visit the show notes for links to the particular episodes that are included here. Hope you enjoy. Today I'm very happy to have a very special guest, Jody Halstead from Ireland Family Travel. Jody, how are you? I'm well, thank you for having me. So just to give a little more background of Jody, she's based around Des Moines in Iowa. Jody, I don't know how to describe you really. You're definitely a writer, you're a blogger, you're a travel writer, would you say that? I tell people, and it's kind of funny because I say that I'm a travel writer and people look at me with this question in their eyes, like, what does that mean? <laughs> I thought the two words were pretty simple to understand, but um, mm-hmm. basically what I do is I write about uh, family travel experiences that we have, and I mm-hmm. try to inspire people to travel more with their families. We do a lot of exploratory travel where we are getting really down and dirty in, you know, we've been caving and rafting and horseback riding. <laughs> you know, we visit Ireland quite often just because that is something that is a big passion of mine is family travel in Ireland. But we also do a lot around the Midwest, the kind of area that people consider to be flyover country mm-hmm. here in the United States. So my whole goal is to really show families that it's not impossible to travel with kids. There's plenty to do. And uh, it doesn't have to be a long trip or a long distance trip and that you can really travel and find experiences just about anywhere. Yeah, and that's why I was so interested in having you on this show, because we're going to be talking today about maybe the little surprises of when you visit Ireland, you go, well, it it works that way. (laughs) So yeah, you've done more than the bus tour in Ireland. So you've definitely gotten a a good flavor. I think it's safe to say you you look pretty at home and relaxed in Ireland. Isn't that true? It is. My first trip to Ireland was actually in 2002 and I was young and single and carefree. And I landed in Shannon with a book of B&Bs. I picked up a car and I had a map and I just hit the road. And, you know, you drive out of Shannon and, and when you're going south, just about the first thing you see is Bunratty Castle. And I can just remember squeaking as I was driving along going, oh, it's a castle, it's a castle. But, <laughs> you know, it's one of those places that so many people have a, a feel a connection to. It's very relaxed. It's very laid back. Um, People are just as friendly as you hear about. And it's one of those places that it seems like everyone dreams of going. Mm -hmm. It's it's on so many travel lists. And Mm -hmm. it's just as wonderful as as you hear and definitely worth the time. And if you can take your family, 
I really recommend it because it's a trip that your entire family will remember forever. Mm. So Jody, first of all, right, you get off the plane, probably had a quite miserable meal. So you wander into the, the local pub, maybe, or restaurant, I don't know. You said there was maybe a little surprise waiting for you in the pub if you're looking for food. What do you think? There can be. There can be. But, you know, you have to realize that if you're coming from the U.S., which is, the, you know, really the only experience I have, you're arriving first thing in the morning. So you're arriving early breakfast time. And if you, especially if you arrive in Dublin and you ask about a good place for breakfast, people will look at you with blank eyes and say, go to the hotel. <laughs> don't go to the hotel. I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. Mm. But don't eat in the airport. Don't go to the hotel. Pack something to tide you over a, a cereal bar, a, something like that. Yeah. And if your plans do not have you staying in Dublin, hit the road and get going. Mm. But the thing that we didn't find until... And it was probably my third trip to Ireland. Mm -hmm. We went into a pub in Doolin. And Doolin is very, very well known for the live traditional music. Mm. But it was the first place we had ever been where there was no wait staff. Mm. We had been in more touristed areas prior to that. It was my daughter's second trip Brenna's second trip and Kaylin's first. Mm -hmm. And we'd been in more touristy areas, I suppose, before that trip. And so in a lot of pubs in Ireland, and this does not mean a restaurant. And uh, if you're in a more touristy town like Killarney or Waterford, you're not going to probably run into this as much. But in many pubs, you will not have a wait staff. Mm. You will go up to the bar, you will order your drinks, you will ask for a menu, you will place your order at the bar, you will pay at the bar. <laughs> and that was a little bit of a culture shock for that trip just because I hadn't run into it mm. before. But since then, I've noticed it quite a bit more. So I wanted to throw in the subjects of Supermax. Jody, have you eaten in Supermax? I have eaten I have in Supermax. We love it. <laughs> So <laughs> my girls love Supermax. They um it's a fast food restaurant that's native to Ireland. Yeah. And I have mm. to say cuz we have eaten at a McDonald's in Ireland. And knowing what McDonald's tastes like in the states. Right. Ireland tastes completely different. So you eat at McDonald's in Ireland and you're like, "Oh, this isn't right." Oh. Where when you eat at Supermax, you're like, "Yeah, this is awesome." <laughs> So it's, it's a very funny... Supermax is a great little surprise. Yeah, sorry. My mouth is watering now. So let's see. Um, chicken... You make a good chicken yeah, sandwich. Chicken sandwich, chicken goujons, um, large chip, um, extra salt, please. Maybe even some curry sauce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like it. The curry sauce, right. <laughs> and you notice, you know what I noticed this last year is that sweet chili sauce is huge in Ireland right now. Yeah, Everything had sweet chili sauce. <laughs> there were even sweet chili potato chips. Sweet chili potato chips or sweet chili sweet potatoes if you're feeling healthy. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't so, well. so if you're looking for a nice little surprise, walk into Supermax. Although let me throw in that if it's, let's say, after midnight and you're still roaming the streets, <laughs> and you come upon a Supermax, probably the best thing to do is to stay away, um, <laughs> unless you can really keep your mouth shut and uh, not pick a fight. Really? Uh, I, I don't want to paint a bad picture because it can be good fun <laughs> as well, but 
a bit of banter for sure. Yeah. Oh, I would imagine. But I suppose that that would be, you know, just like going into some place that's open late here as well. You're getting that specific late night crowd that's, you know, maybe coming from the bar or a party or something. So they might have a little, exactly. a little extra attitude. <laughs> are up for a little more crack. Okay, so for people who do want to do their own touring, like, would you suggest that they try to go off the beaten track or should they kind of stick to, say, the Ring of Kerry is a well-known place to drive, but there's a lot of, like, coaches, buses. So what do you think? I think that if it's your very first trip in Ireland, there are things that you specifically want to see. You want to see mm. you want to see the things you've heard about. You want to see the Cliffs of Moher. You want to see the Ring of Kerry. I actually recommend Dingle, the Dingle Peninsula, over the Ring of Kerry. Mm. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, that's where we got engaged, and it's still my favorite spot in Ireland. Excellent. I love Dingle. Yeah. It's, it is. It's beautiful. The, the scenery is practically the same as you'll see on the Ring of Kerry, but it's less popular you don't get as many tour buses down there and mm. so i i recommend that but you you have ideas of what you want to see you you want to see those dramatic postcard moments on your first trip so mm. when people are talking about their first trip i always recommend the southwest mm. just because you're going to see everything in ireland that you want to see you're going to see the castles you're going to see those dramatic coastlines you're going to uh, be able to get into Killarney and see the, you know, the beautiful manor house and the ladies view, you know, even though Killarney is such a tourist town, there's a reason it's so popular. It has just those beautiful sites there that, that everybody really goes to Ireland to see. So Jody, if there's somebody still kind of hesitating to like take on that trip to Ireland, is there like one thing you tell them to say, Come on, do it. To do the trip. Ireland is one of those places, like I said, uh, so many people dream of Ireland. And it's a place that when you go once, you're going to want to go again and again. So if it's a once in a lifetime trip, start planning it. Make sure you spend more than a week, but don't rush. But it's a trip you will never, ever regret. Mm, nice. Excellent. Jody, people can get in touch with you at irelandfamilytravel.com. Isn't that right? Would you be happy if people contacted you? I would love to have people visit, even if you're only thinking about a trip to Ireland. Ireland Family Travel is set up where I share the experiences that we have to help people, in, to inspire them really, mm. um, for places they can see and things they can do. Basically a resource, and it's connected to another site called Ireland Family Vacations, which has a clickable map on it. So people can say, okay, I want to, I want to visit Kilkenny mm -hmm. and it will have uh, hotel recommendations from firsthand experience and things to do and mm -hmm. day trips and itineraries and, and things like that. Ireland is just one of those places that it's so family friendly. People think of it more as a destination uh, the more seasoned travelers on a tour bus or mm. our kids on a gap year who are kind of pub hopping. But it is such an incredibly friendly place for families. It's one of those magical places where kids can climb to the top of a castle and they can 
ride on a boat to the base of the cliffs of Moher and mm. and they can see where people dig turf and where these amazing treasures have come out of the ground. It's just beyond magical to a child. And today I've got a very special guest, author, writer, Felicity Hayes McCoy. Do you go to Felicity? Konasatatu? Good deal, Gurmil Mahagadoin. Konasatatu Hayne. Oh, Tom Erosir Fads. Tashigahalan shot Ilimnuch. Niliskum fui kundakiri of fi on Bosch the Kukun Nisluya. Oh, well, Bishigahaven on Slavmar Haim Shah. We have layer fad, Bjognuch. Size four initials for the Gwil mid egg derinablina. Ah, Bishadas, August Bishag, green vernishes reached. Yeah, being green and wet as um, yeah, big and gear lin galua, gakinta. So, so, um, Felicity, like I said, she's a writer. She lives in Bermondsey in London and also Kirkagwina, and that's Ireland's Dingle Peninsula in County Kerry. So, Felicity Fodgestock, welcome to the show. And how come you've got two addresses basically? London and Kirkagwina? Well, because I'm extraordinarily lucky. <laughs> or the other answer is because it took me 30 years to achieve them. I'm Irish, as you can probably tell from my voice. My dad was from Galway. My mother's people were from Wexford, from Enniscorthy. I was raised in Dublin. And when I was going to school in Dublin, the Irish language was one of my great loves. My father spoke Irish with his grandmother when he was young, so he spoke a bit of Irish to me when I was young too. So I did well with it at school. And when I went to university, I took Irish as one of my subjects. In those days, and I think it's still the case in the universities in Ireland, students tend to get sent to the Gaeltachtsi, speaking areas in Ireland, on scholarships, if they're lucky, to put what we call a snuff on their Irish, to just make sure that you have people around you speaking Irish who are native speakers, so that you'll pick up the right rhythm and you'll, as well as having it on the page and understanding the grammar, you'll speak fluently. So when I was 17, this was where I was sent. I was sent to Karkhoina. I was sent to stay with a lady, a banati, lady of the house, in a house which is not more than about eight miles away from the house I'm sitting in now. And that was when I was 17. Fell totally in love with the place, the people, the way of life. Had already fallen in love with the language. But I was 17 and I was planning a career as an actress and a writer. Mm. So... I came back here several times on holiday while I was a student and then off I went, as many Irish people do, to London to build my career. And I ended up by doing that. I built a career, a successful career as a writer and an actress there. Kept coming back on holiday to Carcheina, kept visiting the place, but never, ever, ever thought that I could live here. And at some point in my life, I met and married my husband, Wilf Judd who's an opera director. I met him when he was an opera director at Covent Garden, the Royal Opera House in London. Oh, wow. And we came here on our honeymoon. And while we were here, we had a wonderful time, but also Will fell in love with the place and particularly with the traditional music. So we started coming back (laughs) over and over again. And cut to 30 years later, we finally got ourselves and our lives into order and bought ourselves a house back here, the house I'm sitting in now. Wow. And... Just for somebody who really does not have a concept of where you're sitting right now, try to put it on the map. Like the peninsula is sticking out into the Atlantic Ocean, 
right? Yeah. How would you describe it? What part of the island of Ireland? Well, if you imagine Ireland as a little dog sitting up in the sea, um, <laughs> yeah. people blank when I say that sometimes, but you know, its head is up in Ulster and its little paws are sticking out into the Atlantic. Down at the bottom, the little feet that are sticking out into the sea, furthest out into the ocean, are a series of peninsulae. And the Dingle Peninsula is the most westerly point in Ireland. And indeed, it's arguable that the Dingle Peninsula and the Blasket Islands, which are offshore islands off the end of the peninsula, are the most westerly point in Europe. And I think possibly the best way of describing it is, as it's often been described around here, as the last parish in Ireland before America. It is right near or right north of the Ring of Kerry, which is definitely a popular tourist uh, kind of event or um, a route that people take. But it would be right to say that the Kirkogreen Peninsula, it is quieter, isn't it? Yes, it is quieter. It's a great tourist place. And I mean, lots of tourists do come here. Mm. And there is wonderful, wonderful hospitality back here. There's a, a great tradition in the Gaeltachty of welcoming people into the people's homes. Now, obviously, these days you're being welcomed into guest houses, our bed and breakfasts. But that sense of warmth and friendliness is very powerful back here still. And also, once you get as far west as Dingle and then out beyond Dingle into the west, you're absolutely surrounded by people for whom Irish is the first language. Now, everyone back here speaks English as well, so you're perfectly safe. <laughs> it's OK. But if you want to hear Irish spoken just by kids in the street and by people walking up and down, this is the place to come. One of the places to come. So you're the author of The House on an Irish Hillside. It's a book you published. And just on the back of that book, Felicity, it said that the people in Kirkagwina have a way of looking at life that is deeper, richer and wiser. So what do you mean by that? And how would you compare them to the rest of Ireland or your own experience in London? Well, I suppose when I wrote that book, it's a memoir and it was commissioned in London. And I think what interested them was my life to a certain extent, but also this fact that I was living in the two places. I was living in Bermondsey, which is absolutely inner city London. I live in a former jam factory near the Tower Bridge, so near the Tower of London, as central as you can get. And also here I am at the end of a peninsula as far west as you can get in Ireland. And I think when I started to write the book and when it was first commissioned, both my commissioning editor and I had a notion that it was going to be about contrasts. It was going to be about someone who lived in the city and had another life in the country and as deep in the country as you could get. But as I was writing it, I found to a certain extent that that was true, but also that in getting to know this area, getting to know Kirkachina better, living here in this community, I became very aware of similarities between the two places. And that sounds like a contradiction in terms, but let me just explain it a little bit. What you find here is you find community very, very, very strongly. This is an area, because it's a Gaeltacht area, in which the cultural heritage of the people has been passed on through the oral tradition. So it's an area where Irish is spoken, where storytelling is still an absolutely central part of life, and where music is really central. And when we came here and found this house, it was known in the area as T. Nelly Wirish. Nelly Wirish was the lady for whom it was built originally. This would have been back in about 1915. Nelly lived here and her husband, Paddy, married in, but it was always called Nelly's house because it was hers to begin with. 
we bought the house, knew that it was beautiful, knew that we loved it, knew that it was in an absolutely glorious place, but knew not much more about it. And it was the neighbours who told us that this house was what in English people in Ireland call a rambling house. And in Irish, we call it a house for Bahantiach. Hmm. Bahantiach is the custom in the Gaeltachthi of gathering together in one house in the parish in the wintertime in particular, in the evenings to tell stories and to sing and to play cards and to chat and have a bit of a drink. And these houses are chosen because they happen to be at a crossroads or they're a suitable distance from other houses. Or I think in the case of this one, maybe because Nellie and Paddy didn't have children. So, you know, you wouldn't be waking the baby if you came in here and had a few songs at night. Anyway, that's what we discovered. We discovered it was a place for Bohantiach. And we discovered that our neighbours were happy to continue to come in and chat with us. And because my husband was a musician and had taken up the concertina and was learning to play traditional music, we had some sessions happening here. And that focused that whole idea that community, the passing on of culture through the oral tradition, the passing on of heritage through storytelling and through music and the words of songs was absolutely still part of life here. Now, strangely, having experienced that and loving it here and becoming part of it here to a certain extent, because people have been immensely welcoming to us, I became more aware of it when I was back in London. I sort of became aware of the people in the flats around us had a community. There was a great sense in inner London of people who used to work on the river because we're close to the river and there was a whole generation of people and generations back of people who did the same jobs and lived in the same areas. I think the community spirit here, the sense of community here in Karkachina has made me recognise and become aware of and enjoy the same sort of thing when I'm living in the city in another country altogether. But here, it's still so central to life in a way that I think it's less central to life in other parts of Ireland now. If somebody is considering just visiting Ireland and perhaps passing through County Kerry, and let's say they've learned a phrase or two in Irish, like Giorit or Pionta Guinness, I like that one. Uh-huh. What do you suggest that people do so that they get a bit of exposure to Irish when they're passing through Kirkagreen? Well, the first thing I would say is keep going beyond Dingletown into the West, though you'll find lots of people in Dingletown that can speak Irish and will speak Irish too. And when you meet somebody and you would like to speak Irish to them, don't hesitate. I mean, do use your couple of fuckle, what's known as your couple of fuckle, your few words, your couple of words. And you'll even find in some places there'll be signs up. Like if you go into a shop, quite often on the counter of the shop, there might be that little sign saying, or Irish is used here, or as I said, I have a couple of words, and that means a couple of words of Irish. And sometimes the person you're talking to will be a native speaker and they'll have more than a couple of words of Irish. Sometimes you might be talking to somebody who's working back here and came from somewhere else and is learning Irish too. So anywhere somebody gives you an indication that they'd like you to speak Irish, go ahead and speak to them. Anywhere where you feel I'll have a go and speak it myself and see if someone responds, have a go. I think people are very, very pleased to help. They're very pleased to hear people trying. There are lots of Irish courses back here. So you might well find, I don't know if you're sitting in a pub, that you're sitting beside somebody who is back here learning Irish. You know, there's no reason at all why you shouldn't say, 
two sentences in Irish or three words in Irish and go into English after that. It'll be appreciated. Yeah, I love that tip. I love the advice and I hope that people do follow up on it and I hope to hear from people who end up visiting Ireland for the first time or once again and they've done that and their success stories, what happened out of it. And today I am joined by a very special guest who is Brian O'Cahasig or Brian Casey. Uh, Avrian, do you quit? Yes, mother quit. Ah, I guess um, Conasita to a new. I will do goma. Tommy Gabra, Gurmahagat, August Duhain. Oh, Tommy Erous. Tommy, a bunt tan of Asan Arach. I'm enjoying the springtime here in Ireland. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, August Avrian, um, Aber Kawil Kony Ert. Is also America me? Ah, Tommy Makoni, he Kushlan the Warrior Mm, Kushlan Wari, a Gunde Wio. Sha, a Gunde Wio. So, County Mayo. So, Brian just said he's from the States, America, but he's living in Castlebar, as it's otherwise known in County Mayo. So, I wanted to talk with Brian because he's got a really interesting case that he grew up in the States, I'm presuming, and moved right on over with his family to Ireland. So we'll delve into some of those things. Really interesting, his story. So I'm interested to hear, I mean, you obviously have some love for Ireland. Like, how did that come about? And like, was it an Irish family kind of setting that you grew up in? Uh, Yes, Irish, of course, from heritage. Not Irish, such as you, you are, or the locals that live here, but my Casey's came out of Kerry uh, towards the end of the hunger and came over to the States. And even as removed as I was from those that came over, the stories came down and even some of my youngest memories, uh, my sister and I would sit and my dad would tell us tales of Ireland and we were listening to traditional music at a very early age and we would sing these little Irish songs like duets, my sister and I. And uh, as I got older, St. Patrick's Day would roll around and somebody would start a tune and I would join right in. And people, how do you know all these? I said, I've been singing them all my life. And really, it was just, uh, there weren't any Irish families around us other than all the Casey's that were there in California would have similar stories or something they remembered from their grandfather or great-grandfather, something about Ireland. And these stories just circulated amongst our family. And I grew up with them Mm. and had a love for all things Irish, really, from from my youth. So you grew up with that feeling, but... How does that connect us with you living in Ireland? So tell us a bit of the story. When was your first time that you came to Ireland? Well, um, we've only made one previous visit, and that was in April of 2012. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, uh, I was at work, and for years we had planned to come. And I think a lot of people in the States really want to come and they, and they truly they do but it's so easy to let things get in the way one day my wife Erin we said you know we should just commit to go and then whatever happens happens but we should commit well again it's one thing to say it it's another thing to do it I was at work she was home she was working at home before I was she sent me an email and she said 
okay, it's done. We're not putting it off any longer. I just purchased <laughs> non-refundable tickets for Ireland. We're going in April. <laughs> so when you made this trip to Ireland, was there talk of, oh, we could live here? Or did that come later? It came later. Mm. Uh, we left our last day here. I wept when we left. I didn't want to leave. And I told my wife, I said, I feel like I'm... And leaving home, not going home. and But really, the thought of actually living here just seemed too far-fetched. It seemed too, too much out of reach. And um, shortly after coming back, I left my daytime job and decided to work full-time online as a proofreader and copy editor. My wife had been doing it for years. And it was in uh, October of 2012 that my yearning for Ireland really grew. And I wanted to come back. I wanted to do more than just visit. And my wife said, uh, well, why don't we just go? And there was this silence, you know, okay. What? She, she said, well, Brian, think about it. We don't have to get work. We don't need a work visa. We're employed in the States. If we have an internet connection, we're at work. Now we were working from home. You could do that anywhere. So suddenly just the very thought that this could be a possibility um, began to take root. Mm. And we began searching online for v visa options. And uh, initially, I think the default visa is something like 90 days. Mm -hmm. And um, we were hoping to stay longer than that, though we'd take what we could. 90 days and a 10-year-old child, you'd have to come in the summer so you didn't interfere with a school schedule. Mm. But um, uh, really, it was coming across some uh, websites and some blogs of Americans who had moved over to Ireland mm. and seeing an email link. You know, I, I use the phrase, um, where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> I think if you want something badly enough, you'll, you'll find a way. And there was, hey, if you'd like to contact us, email us at dot, dot, dot. So we started emailing and I developed some really good friendships that eventually led to phone calls and then to Skype visits you know, uh, video Skype mm -hmm. visits and actually getting to know people. And over the course of the next few months, uh, we found out our options and uh, we were actually able to come over and uh, help out in a small church here in Castle Bar. Mm. And because of that, and we had gotten to know the pastor of the church and he'd befriended us and we'd had meetings with him online as well. Mm. He extended an invitation to us. And because of that, and because we're actually on the staff and we are part of the church staff itself, mm. we were able to get a three-year visa. And here we are. Uh, two years ago, I would have never believed it, but we've been here six months now and uh, we certainly plan to stay every bit of that three years. It's, it's renewable after that. So who knows? Not to go into it too much, but with the Irish language, I'm just curious what brought you to the step of having any interest? Like, did you know it as a language there was one out there as Gaelic? or Years ago, I would have referred to it as Gaelic, uh, mm. not realizing that's more of a term for the Scottish side of the language as far as an exact term. But back in the day, before there was so much available online, there were some websites that had simple phrases and they would spell them out phonetically. And I was learning things then. I had a friend who was from Cork uh, there in Pensacola, and he would help me with some of my pronunciation. And uh, so there was the audio side. But 
I guess I was a little frustrated because I would read so many Irish books and histories, even Irish fiction and fictional histories, where they would refer, the Irish terms would be written in italics in the book, and I wouldn't know what they meant. The book didn't always give a translation. Mm. And I really wanted to learn it. We came over here to Ireland, and there were a number of instances where I heard people speaking it. I'd heard enough online by that time to know the sound of it when I heard it. Mm. And it just, it flowed. It was unbroken. They were having conversations. We were on a bus at the time and this couple in front of us was just talking away and I just fell in love with the sounds. And then we came back. It wasn't too long after I came back. I read uh, Felicity Hayes McCoy's book, the House on an Irish Hillside. Oh, excellent. And if we have new listeners, they should go back because we had an interview with Felicity earlier in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the book is, I, I highly recommend it to anyone that has an interest in Irish culture or the Irish language. And the book isn't really about the language. It's the heart and soul of those people there in the, uh, the Gweltacht. Mm. And how they live their everyday lives, how they interact with each other as a community. And just that, it just says Ireland. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful story. It's one that I've read and reread. And after reading that, I wanted so much to learn the language. And I told my wife, I said, uh, I really want to enroll in a course. And I've seen this website called Bite Size Irish Gaelic, and it looks like something I could really get a hold of, the small doses, the bite-sized lessons. And I enrolled and uh, purchased a year, began studying, and suddenly things that I had questions about began to make sense. I began to realize that there are rules to pronunciation, <laughs> and what seems like a jumble of letters is not a jumble at all. With the rules, the sounds make sense. Yeah, definitely. There is logic there. There's logic. I can now look at a, a street sign in Ireland that's in English and Irish, and I can pronounce the Irish words. Uh, I couldn't even do that when I first moved here. <laughs> Brian, you were telling me that you are lucky enough now to have local Irish language classes in Castlebar, don't you? And how's that going? <laughs> yes, uh, it's going very well. Initially, I was this strange American and nobody knew me. And But as the weeks have gone by and we've grown in the language with each other, the way people have, have opened up and invited me into their homes and we've had little Irish talks. And eventually, I think people see that if you're, you're not just here like you're on a project or you're here to study them, you want to be part of them. And they see that you really enjoy being here and want to embrace the culture it's amazing how they open up to you and the warmth they show it's really been wonderful excellent i love to hear that and that was it our best of with clips from episodes that we really enjoy bringing this past year with bite size irish gaelic podcast and i do hope that you'll join us for the next year that comes whatever brings our way so to leave a comment for this best of episode go to bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast and go to episode 27 and I'd love if you share your maybe if you have a best moment or an episode that you remember from the podcast why not leave a reply on that show notes page and share with us I'd love to hear from you so if you're loving the show you could always leave us a written review not just the five star rating on iTunes 
And to do that, you go to the iTunes store, you log in, you search for the Bite Size Irish Kelly podcast, and then you write the review. And you can send listener questions directly to me at podcast at bitesizeirishgaelic.com. Finally, thanks to Tsukumo for their music, which you hear on this episode under a Creative Commons license. Until the next episode, slán go Bye for now.